Can you please state your name and age? My name is Mark Borsero, and I'm 30 years old. Okay, so I'm just going to ask you a few questions for the podcast Edumacation. Um, okay, so the first question is, would you want to send your child to a school with a balanced academic calendar? Why or why not? I don't know what a balanced academic calendar is, so I couldn't really say. Okay, uh, I guess that's up to you, Mom, to tell people what that is. This is Educated Sister Spreading Education Ignorance, and we're back from break. How many weeks did you have off, Mimi? Two. About two-ish. I don't know. I keep working all the time. Well, yeah. I mean, as adults, we pretty much do. But your kids were off two weeks, yeah? Yes. And mine was off a week and a day. And it works out. I mean, it always works out. My kid was born on New Year's Eve. So we always have to try to, you know, manage the birthday thing either before break starts or after break because most most of his friends, if he wants to be with friends, are gone. Mm -hmm. But we managed. We managed. We had a little uh, outing to a little play with two of his friends. Nice. So that worked out. Nice. And it's really difficult. It's difficult as parents because you feel a little guilty. I mean, we did used to tell him that the fireworks were for his birthday. And then he got <laughs> wise as he got a little older. Um, but it's very difficult because it's, you know, you're like, happy birthday. Okay, mom and dad will be back about one in the morning. Bye. So um, you have to be really, really careful. But but uh, break was good. I think it was good for the kids to have break. Absolutely. Speaking I think they just... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, speaking of birthdays, my son, yeah. I have a son. One of my sons turns 20 today. So, yes, I know birthday that. Birthday season. Fact. Yes. It is birthday season. So, it's my birthing day. It is your birthing day. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. I think you should have a present. I, I, I'm all considering for it. How, especially considering how big that one is. He is a big baby. He was a big baby. No, he wasn't that. He was fine. He was no. average, but now he is. He's big. He's big. He doesn't. Okay, but he's not a baby anymore. No. I and he doesn't act like a baby. No, not at all. He's just big. Yeah. And he's my baby. I love. I love his hugs. His hugs are the best. He's a good. Guy. Um. All right. So 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 we're all um, back at it, and the kids are back at it. They've all been back at it for a little bit now. Um. And uh, so we're back because school's back, and we want to. Uh, we want to keep this this train rolling. Uh, today, I'm so excited. We're going to get to talk a little bit about uh, the balanced school calendar. And uh, I know this is a favorite topic of yours. And I'm so excited that David is here. And we're going to get into that because so many people don't know anything about it. And because they don't know anything about it, they're terrified of it. Yeah, it's one of those things that we... We tend to embrace the school calendar the way that it always has been because that's what we're used to. But in fact, um, it really is, it's quite, it's quite restrictive of learn for learning um, of students. And it's something that, you know, being a leader of a school where the majority of students were living in poverty 
and uh, letting them go for 12 weeks on their own in the summertime was pretty detrimental to their learning. And so you're going to hear more about um, how that impacts them and the negative effects of a 12-week uh, a break during the summer. Um, again, one of those things that I really experienced firsthand is I tried to, to visit and check in on my students during those 12 weeks during the summer months, driving through their neighborhoods, and they just, they weren't out. They they didn't, they weren't out playing. They didn't have green spaces. They didn't go to camps. They didn't, they didn't vacation. They really were inside for 12 weeks. Um, and I don't know how we expect kids to continue their learning at the same rate, um, when they're, when they're not in school, um, with trained professionals for three months. So again, really yeah. near and dear topic. So Dr. David Hornack um, is going to um, shed some light on some of the research and some of the, the, the pragmatic nature of thinking about calendar in different ways. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so uh, before we get to that, though, um, did you make any New Year's resolutions? I don't. I don't typically engage in that practice. I tend to be a goal setter by nature. And so I don't, I don't wait for the calendar to drive that for me either. You don't need a special day. And you know, what's so funny is I am not a new year's resolution person either. I am thrilled to have um, a chance once a year to do some reflection and also to think about uh, the future and what I might want to do. I, I really enjoy having that yearly opportunity, but I don't do a lot of resolutions and I don't actually encourage my clients um, to do them either. I What I do encourage them to do is look at different areas of their lives, like their home life, their career, their own spirituality, et cetera. And I like them to think about how they want to feel in the next year. And I like to have them come up with uh, adjectives to describe how they might want to feel in that particular category for the next 12 months. And I find that if you have that to fall back on, when you start feeling crummy in any area of your life, then you look at those feeling states and remind yourself, and it can help guide your choices as you move forward. I like that. Reflection's always a positive. Usually, unless it's a really bad mirror at TJ Maxx. <laughs> then the reflection is bad. It's really bad. Yeah, and I'm, I just, it really is quite warped. I'm not exactly sure what I'm seeing. And what's the truth? What's the truth? We're the truth, baby. We are the truth. That's us. Um, so what are we going to talk about? Uh, in our next pod, not this one, but the next one, what are we looking at? Yeah, the episode after this, we're going to um, talk to Dr. Chris Torres, who researches charter management organizations and, Ooh. yeah, learn some more about what really goes on um, with profit, for-profit and non-profit charter management organizations um, because charters, charter schools are definitely abundant um, across our country. And so we want to learn a little bit more about that. That's awesome. Can't wait for that. All right. So when we come back, we are going to be speaking to Dr. David Hornack about the balanced calendar. Yeehoo! Hey there, Educated Pod listeners. Make sure you go to Twitter and start following us at Educated Pod. 
so that you don't miss a single episode. We look forward to hearing from you. Hey, everyone. We're so excited to have Dr. David Hornack with us to talk to us about a balanced calendar or year-round schooling, which he's going to help us figure out what the nuances of each of those are, and we're excited to have him. I personally am looking forward to this conversation as David has been a colleague and a friend for many, many years in the um, setting of our educational careers, so really glad that he is here to bring us his knowledge and his understanding of um, balanced calendar and what that can mean for the education of our students. So, KK, this is David. Hi, David. Although I'm saying hi from New York. Hello, hello. I'm happy to be on the show today. And uh, I'm really tickled, tickled, tickled to be here to uh, speak to your audience about the Balanced School Calendar and year-round education. Thank you. We, We really, really, really super appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about who you are, David, before you tell us what exactly Balanced Calendar is. I can do that. So, um, yes, I am um, the current superintendent of Holt Public Schools. However, prior to that, I was an elementary principal on the Balanced School Calendar. Prior to that, I taught kindergarten. I also taught first grade and reading recovery. I'm a former uh, high school soccer coach. And I also represent the National Association for Year-Round Education. And so we are moving away from um, calling uh, um, this particular calendar uh, a year-round calendar. I think that some people are frightened by that uh, phrase or term uh, in favor of what is called a balanced school calendar. And the balanced school calendar is simply um, uh, sprinkling 180 school days across the calendar year rather than having a long summer. Best practice would say uh, reducing your summer between uh, six and eight weeks and then sprinkling those additional weeks off that you would typically have in a school year excuse me, in the summer across the school year. And there are some best practice models out there that I bet we will be talking about shortly. But the long and the short of it is, it is a more balanced school year rather than that typical um, Labor Day to Memorial Day uh, with that long summer break that we all probably experienced growing up. Um, And so, yep, I'm here to chat with you guys today. So tell us a little bit about what sprinkling those 180 days might look like across an entire calendar year? Uh, Sure. So, um, you know, many uh, schools across the the nation uh, on the balanced school calendar uh, start their school year somewhere uh, the first week of August, and they'll take a little time off uh, around Labor Day, and then they'll get back and and move in through the curriculum and then take um, a couple weeks off for a fall break. So um, that typically happens sometime in October. uh, following the calendar, uh, usually there's uh, up to a week off at Thanksgiving, your typical two at the holidays, uh, a winter break of some sort. Sometimes that's a one-week February break. Some, sometimes it's a two-week February break. Uh, uh, usually a, a two-week uh, spring break in April or late March with then another week off around uh, Memorial Day um, with then uh, the last day of school occurring sometime in late June with um, Uh, the transition from grade to grade occurring over that summer, which is, like I said before, typically a six-week and best practice is between six and uh, eight-week intermission. So you're really taking, in this particular model, 12 weeks 
and reducing that to six weeks off during those summer months? That is preferred and uh, best practice. And I'll tell you, uh, we are being asked to remediate the gaps that the traditional calendar is, uh, in fact, creating. Um, I, I fear for all of the money that school districts are spending across the nation uh, in terms of remediating and intervening, um, um, the, the long and the short of it is we're required to reteach between 20 and 40 days annually of, of the previous year's curriculum. And so I truly believe that equation is broken. If you think about this another way, we have 180 school days to uh, demonstrate that each child will learn uh, a year's worth of academics. And, and that's just not possible, because 180 um, uh, days is less than a, a half of the calendar year. If you then think about this in the sense that um, our, our excellent teachers, our, our wonderful educators across the nation are, are spending between 20 and 40 days uh, to uh, remediate the previous year's curriculum and reteach that, we're really now um, asking our children to learn a year's worth of academics in um, 140 school days. That just doesn't seem like it's um, uh, really uh, set up for success. So one of the advantages, it sounds like, of, of applying a balanced calendar would be then to reduce some of the loss. What are some of the other loss of learning? What are some of the other advantages or even some of the disadvantages of you know, using a balanced calendar in your school district or system. Sure thing. So yes, um, you know, one of the the, the major uh, advantages of the uh, balanced school calendar is the reduction of what is called the summer learning loss or summer slide. There are lots of different terms with that. Uh, researcher John Hattie, who really just studies studies, um, and he doesn't necessarily uh, study the balanced calendar, but he has uh, analyzed all the research studies regarding uh, the year-round education in the balanced school calendar and summer in general has uh, indicated that summer has a negative effect or a negative impact on all kids. Now this becomes more uh, profound uh, based on your economic status. So uh, kids who are uh, in the middle and upper class uh, tend to continue to learn in the summer uh, in some form of another. Usually that happens uh, when a, a child is sent to a summer camp or goes to the zoo or goes to the library. And we know that our, our more at-risk kids uh, don't have those same opportunities. And, and the underpinning behind the, uh, the balanced school calendar is something called the Fawcett theory. And the Fawcett theory is, is in, in other terms, is uh, relabeling your, your typical faucet, one side hot, one side cold. Now, uh, label one um, hot, uh, excuse me, low income and the other uh, middle and upper class and during the school year the resources flow at the same uh, rate for all kids but in uh, the summer uh, the, the resources for the low-income student or the most at-risk student uh, are, are actually shut off and, uh, and there still is uh, some resources flowing to that middle and upper class child. Uh, and, it, and actually it creates a tremendous gap which is also a challenge to uh, our schools. But additional, um, addi additional benefits, uh, less teacher burnout. We are finding that that educators on the balanced calendar um, uh, tend to uh, um, stay 
uh, in the uh, career of education, primarily because they can be reflective practitioners. They're able to look back at where they've been when navigating the curriculum and they look forward to where they're going, um, or better, uh, in other words, better able to plan. Um, uh, and I would just say, uh, based on my experience, and I've lived both calendars, that I used to burn out uh, roughly uh, late October annually on the traditional calendar. And when I flipped over to the uh, balance calendar, when October came, I started realizing, wow, I, I'm, I, I'm not as fatigued. Um, and now I, I just want to throw this out there. There was a two-week break that... Uh, uh, also occurred in October. So um, I truly believe it allows um, the adults and the students some time to pause and uh, recharge. And, and with that, I believe that our educators who have an opportunity to uh, um, remain fresh and, and refresh uh, across the, uh, the academic year are going to be more likely to engage their students at a deeper level. And, and their patience is going to, um, you know, uh, be a little more intact. Um, with that, um, the frequent breaks uh, uh, often offer us an opportunity to extend the school year as well in, with something called intercession. And intercession is a time where we invite our children back, uh, potentially the kids who need some remediation um, during uh, one, one of those one and two week breaks that I described even over the summer, and it would be like going to the doctor and, and getting a booster shot. Um, we are giving booster shots of academics for those that need it, and we're enriching the opportunities for kids who uh, might want to um, do some independent study and, and uh, navigate um, uh, you know, some thematic-based instruction or project-based instruction um, uh, as well. So those are some of the benefits. Um, we do have, I, I would like to acknowledge, there are some disadvantages, uh, although I can uh, reframe those as advantages. Um, uh, there, are, there are certainly some additional costs to uh, uh, functioning on the balance calendar if your entire district is not uh, uh, all operating on the same calendar. And, uh, you know, just for transparency's sake, um, Holt Public Schools, where I uh, serve as the lead learner, um, uh, we have both traditional calendar schools and balanced calendar schools. And um, so we have some additional expenses in um, uh, August for uh, transportation and food service because we're not as efficient and the same thing occurs uh, then late June when our balanced calendar schools are the only two schools in session. The other uh, disadvantage that I hear from time to time is when uh, a family has multiple children on two different calendars. And I've lived that as a parent, I've lived that as an administrator, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to reframe that as a positive because it allowed me uh, individual parenting time with uh, um, uh, each of my children. So uh, for one, when I was on a break, I was able to drive my daughter to school and pick her up, which she uh, was very uh, thankful for, and it allowed some good car time. On the other hand, when my son was off while I was off, we were able to do some really neat things together. And, and I, although seen as a disadvantage from time to time, I think it's a true advantage when you're able to um, spend some quality time with um, um, one of your uh, children uh, during the, those periods of time. When I talk to people about this option, because I do believe it's a viable option that we don't take advantage of enough. I, there's so much resistance. And I think that resistance comes from a place of 
it being so foreign to them because they experience school in a certain way. And that's kind of the premise of this podcast is to try to, um, as you said, reframe some of how we think schools should run or how they do run. And so um, with this as an opportunity, what would you want the the, the average citizen um, to really know about the, the research behind why a balanced calendar could could be very beneficial to to all students and specifically as you mentioned some of our students who come from impoverished backgrounds who don't get as many opportunities during a longer summer period off what would you want the average citizen to know yeah so um, it's true um, the long and the short of it is we I would guess the majority of your listeners probably attended a traditional calendar school experience. And with that, um, we all know that that either worked or didn't work for us. I think we all, as adults, believe it probably did work for us. And I would just say that um, David Hornack, sitting here on the podcast, uh, went to summer school um, during my Um, K-12 experience. So as I reflect on that, I do not believe that the traditional calendar paid dividends to my experience. Now, um, have I been able to remediate that? Yes, I have a terminal degree. I was able to continue uh, to move through um, uh, and and become as educated as I possibly um, could be. Um, And so uh, where the resistance falls is the, the lack of experience with the, uh, the balanced school calendar. So, um, you know, if someone were listening for the first time and, and hearing this concept, I would just like to acknowledge this is not a new concept. The balanced calendar has been around for um, um, hundreds of years, actually. Um, uh, our East Coast uh, cities uh, were once um, operating schools that uh, um, uh, were... Uh, kids were attending school for between 230 and 240 school days, and that was reduced in the 1880s and 1890s when uh, there was a need to remediate and teach the English language to our immigrant children. And so basically since about 1890, um, schools across America have been functioning uh, on the 180-day-ish school calendar. Um, And so I I can see why we're here. I understand why we're still functioning that way. Um, But I would really like um, uh, uh, our our new uh, listeners and and people who are new to the balanced calendar to understand that um, we're trying to create um, uh, educated citizens uh, in our school systems across the nation. And with that, um, we're preparing kids to compete for jobs that have yet to be created. Um, compounding this, about two-thirds of the achievement gap of kids who are enter ninth grade across um, the nation can be attributed to the amount of uh, required time it takes a teacher to reteach and review what was learned uh, prior to that summer intermission. And I'm, I'm just questioning in my own mind, are we uh, doing uh, a service to our Uh, the future generation who's going to be competing on a global uh, level for jobs that have yet to be created um, uh, to to compete uh, at the highest level if they're entering high school a year to a year and a half behind their counterparts uh, uh, across the the world. Um, So um, the balanced calendar pays tremendous dividends as you've already heard uh, but you know I I don't believe that um, uh, continuing to uh, educate on the traditional calendar um, 
is doing its part to prepare kids for that, that global environment, whatever that may be. Um, David, I, uh, my, I have a son who is 13, or about to turn 13, and he has been in school in two of the largest school districts in the country, uh, LAUSD, and now uh, the New York City Department of Education. When I look around, and, and you know, I've known about the balanced calendar for several years now because of Melissa, and I agree wholeheartedly with a great deal um, of the research and just the general outlook regarding it. However, when I look at the size of the school districts that I have experience with, I wonder what the major challenges of implementing it in those kinds of school districts might be, and, and is it even possible in school districts of that size? Uh, you bet. You know, it can be scaled up and scaled down regardless of the size of district. Uh, many, uh, at one point, and I don't know because we've lost our database at the National Association, we took a break um, between basically 2007 and 2015. So we're just in the process of of um, reestablishing uh, our database and, and identifying uh, the schools across the nation that are functioning on the balanced calendar. With that, um, there was a time, and, and it still could be currently uh, uh, this way, that many schools in Chicago were functioning on, on the balanced school calendar. Um, while uh, I would wager that um, schools in, in the state of New York and potentially in New York City have uh, some experience with the balanced calendar. I don't know that for fact, as, as, as well as uh, Los Angeles or, or you know, uh, our, our big metropolitan areas. Um, the balanced calendar uh, in its modern form uh, was thriving between uh, the 1980s and, and that, uh, uh, you know, 2007 range. Um, uh, and when the economic downturn occurred roughly in 2008, many districts decided they, um, after a, a deep analysis um, and realized that the balanced calendar sometimes uh, has some extra expenses attached to it, not all the time, um, uh, transitioned many of their schools back to a traditional calendar. Um, we're finding that the, the um, the tipping point is occurring again across the nation where districts are starting to trend back in a direction where uh, they're moving towards the balanced calendar. I, I receive probably three to four uh, inquiries a week um, regarding the, the balanced school calendar. And um, uh, I, I truly believe a, uh, a big, big, big school district, as uh, uh, you've described, uh, could scale it up accordingly, um, uh, and it, you know, it just it just depends on how widespread a district wants to uh, adopt. Gotcha. And I do, I do, um, I have had people, I've had discussions about the balanced calendar, certainly in places like Los Angeles, maybe Arizona, New Mexico. Um, I get a lot of pushback regarding uh, the cost because keeping getting schools open earlier keeping them open later in the summer and opening them earlier in the summer definitely incurs um, expenses surrounding um, air conditioning uh, etc so they often just disregard it 
because they say, oh, it's too expensive to do it. But what you're saying is that if you can begin small, like even in a larger district, not everybody needs to go to the balance calendar immediately. You can, you can scale it. I, co I completely right? agree with that. You know, and, and one of the questions we often get uh, posed I, as I'm speaking across the nation, someone will say, hey, if this is so great, how come your district isn't a K-12 uh, balanced calendar district? And, you know, I, I truly believe that uh, you need to have the infrastructure in place. Now, we do know schools across the nation are opening on the balanced calendar without the infrastructure in place. And I'm really primarily speaking about um, air conditioning. Um, in our particular community, I want to make sure we've done our part to um, retrofit our facilities before we open additional schools on the balance calendar. But uh, I will tell you that there are three methods occurring across the nation for schools to open without air conditioning. One is um, uh, balanced calendar schools are starting earlier in the day and releasing uh, earlier than in the afternoon. Another one is uh, uh, their custodial workforce is coming in to clean uh, roughly midnight to 6 a.m. or whatever that shift may be um, and uh, opening all of the windows with screens in of course and letting the classrooms cool down and then sometime around 6 a.m. shutting the um, the windows and then shutting the shades and keeping the cool in and the heat out and then the final way that uh, some uh, school districts are are navigating this uh, what what is a perceived dilemma is uh, using um, some type of heat in index meter uh, in an agreed-upon area of the school and just like we would do in, uh, in mid-Michigan if the the wind chill outside is um, below a, a certain threshold we would cancel school for the day uh, and on the other hand if if the heat uh, in these buildings uh, across the nation are at a point where an agreed-upon level that is exceeds the safety level of you know whatever that may be the uh, districts would dismiss early and so um, you know this can happen and it can happen in any form uh, in any which way a district uh, would would choose to do that and I think there's some beauty behind that um, there are some research-based models such as the 45 school days with a 15-day uh, break in between that would be roughly nine weeks of school with then three weeks off um, that is considered a best practice um, but at the, the um, you know the calendar that I laid out right on the the beginning of the show uh, really spoke to we uh, we we uh, construct a calendar that also includes uh, honoring the, the typical holidays and our breaks tend to fall around those times and when our traditional calendar is on a break um, such as a one-week spring break we our balanced calendar schools um, take a two-week break a two-week spring break so um, that that really marries well and and I think for the most part our particular families embrace the fact uh, that uh, we put some thought into scheduling our calendar. On the other hand, um, if a community had a real um, need to be off uh, at, at a particular time of, of the calendar year, for instance, they have some type of festival 
Um, the flexibility in the balanced calendar allows for that. Uh, you could start your school year uh, mid-August, and if you had a harvest festival per se, and sometime in September, fine, take a week or two off and have the entire community get behind that. But then that, that's, the, again, the beauty of allowing your stakeholders to contribute to when and how they feel like uh, uh, those breaks should occur. You, you mentioned the faucet theory and um, how our students that are, um, you know, living in poverty, you know, all, their access tends to be completely shut off in the summer. And we spend a lot of resources, time, uh, monetary, you know, human capital catching them up, right? Because that learning does tend to stop and that, ga that gap does continue to widen in the summer for our students that come from different backgrounds. Um, so to me, it seems like, uh, it seems like a real issue of equity. And um, again, part of the premise of our podcast is to try to surface some of the things that we do that we don't ever think of as equity issues um, that don't necessarily get attention in that way. Um, is there anything that you'd like to add to that idea of, you know, how a calendar and these perceived barriers can really add to our equity issues in our yeah, schools? Yeah, absolutely. This is, uh, you know, you just laid that out so well, Melissa. Thank you. I have goosebumps when thinking about this. You know, uh, administrators, staff members, parents, community leaders, and our students need to speak up. Um, the long and the short of it is when we have access to our kids, the resources flow at the same rate. So it doesn't matter what type of economic status you enter with when we're all in school. We all are gaining access to that curriculum at the same time. The big, big, big concern continues to occur when we don't have access to our all children, and that gap gets wider and wider. And so we are spending millions of dollars remediating um, uh, you know, those gaps that are in fact created by um, mandating kids, uh, you know, uh, are required to start on, on the traditional calendar. And, you know, I've personally testified at the state level and continue to speak across the nation uh, promoting this thought of the balanced school calendar. And um, I, I would urge everyone to take a longer look at this. The more access we have to our kids across the calendar year, the more successful they are going to be academically, and and then let's face it, um, those you know the the equity issues that you're alluding to, um, uh, we need to, to have access to our kids to 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 close those learning gaps. That's all there is to it. Oh yeah, fist pump <laughs> during the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well. I appreciate all of the knowledge and information that you've shared with us, with KK and myself and our hopefully vast audience who also got a chance to learn more about this so that we can... A really big audience. <laughs> I'm sure. Thank you, David. I, Thank you very much. I am much. a listener, by the way. I, I, <laughs> yes. Now you get your fist bump. I know. Boom. Uh, yes. You know, uh, in, as a parting... Uh, 
uh, away, a, a parting shot. I would just like all, all the listeners to know once you live it, you love it. And, uh, you know, I think there was a point where uh, Melissa, we served in the same district, was, you know, observing what was happening over in the building that I was uh, serving uh, in. And uh, it started uh, really making sense to her. And uh, I will tell you, uh, not speaking for her, but again, once you live this balanced calendar, you absolutely love it. So thanks for uh, having me on the show today. I look forward to, to uh, supporting you two moving forward. And, and if you ever uh, you know, want to speak about this in the future or another angle of the balanced school calendar, feel free to drop me a call. I'd be happy to, to join you. Thank you. Definitely will. Thank, thank you, you thank so you. much. Okay, team. Take care. jokes and too few laughs to the rescue comes Papa Ron why did the tomato turn red it saw it saw the salad dressing <laughs> <laughs>